Today we're going to continue our subject on the seven miracles that's recorded in St. John. Now I took from uh, this particular miracle uh, from St. Matthew. It's recorded in three of the Gospels, Matthew and uh, Mark and also John. And I have it, if you look at your outline, by the way, if you don't have an outline, please raise your hand. Brother Steve will make sure you get one. Take it home with you this week and read it and study it. It's a, just a, I, there's no way I can bring out all that needs to be brought out. So please raise your hand. Make sure we all have one. And Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. I'm going to let you read that this week. It's a story. Of course, uh, this miracle is last week it was Jesus walking on the water. This week it's Peter walking on the water. And what a challenge for us today. And John Ortberg, he, he wrote a book. Uh, if you want to walk on the water or walk on water, you've got to get out of the boat. A lot of us want to walk on the water, but we're not willing to get out of the boat. Notice what it says. May we let Peter's walks stand as an invitation for us who, like him, wants to step out in faith, who wants to experience something more of the power and the presence of God. I believe if I'd have us to raise our hands today, there's not a person that would not raise their hands that they'd like to experience more power of God's presence, of God's love, of the Word, and all of those great things that are kingdom things. And so that's what we're talking about today. Let us water walk, let us water walk and be a picture, or rather, I'm sorry, let water walk and be a picture of doing with God's help what we could never do on our own. There is a consistent pattern in Scripture of what happens in life that God wants us, wants to use and improve. And I have five of those here. Now, if there ever was a time that our culture needs to see the church experiencing the power of God, speaking in the power of God, witnessing with the power of God and the presence of God, and see the church alive and well, I believe we need to see that. And in order to be effective in our society today, the church must experience the power of Jesus Christ and the power of of the Holy Spirit. We're not going to change souls. We're not going to be the light that God wants us to be unless you and I are in touch with God. And this is a challenge for all of us today. You might say, Pastor, I don't know that I can be a water walker. You can. If we'll follow these steps, you can be a water walker. What is the water walker? Not necessarily going down to the ocean or to a pond and walking on water. It's certainly being a man or woman of God, a child of God that allows the Holy Spirit to direct their lives and then the walk and be in the will of God for your life. And uh, we look at, first of all, there is the call. Now, most of you, as we went through last week, uh, we went through the, uh, the story of how that after feeding 5,000 people, that was 5,000 men alone, plus the women and children. So that was somewhere between 10 and 15,000 people that Jesus fed with five loaves and two fishes or fish. Five loaves and two fish. Listen, if there ever was a time that we can grasp a hold of this miracle, it was a miracle. Keep in mind that John never uses the word miracle in his writings. He uses the word sign. 
And there's a reason for the miracles. There's a message in the miracles. It's not just, to, it's not just for us to have a miracle. You know, that's not the end in itself. If God gives us a miracle, and there's many of us that have experienced miracles or signs in our lives. But the reason God grants miracles, whether it's the healings, or whether it's a financial miracle, or whether it's the soul being, whatever it is, God allows us to experience these signs and these miracles because there's a message there. It points to none other than the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's important. And so the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus constrained or invited, one word is, constrained is one word. He constrained or invited his disciples to get into the ship and let's go to the other side. The Sea of Galilee, the Sea of Galilee, it's a beautiful, beautiful sea. If you've never been there, I encourage you, to, if you can, to, to go to the Holy Lands. It is uh, seven miles wide and 14 miles long. And so they were on one side of the sea. They were to get in and go to the other side. And the Bible says that Jesus went up into the mountain to pray. He was not with them in this storm. One storm he was, not necessarily this storm. And so they'd got three, about three to four miles out into the uh, Sea of Galilee, and there arose a great storm. Now, I don't know if you're going through a storm in your life now uh, at this particular time. We all have seasons of life, but most of us, if not all of us, go through those times when we have storms in our lives. Well, these disciples, they were... They were skilled fishermen. They were skilled boatmen, but they could not make any headway. There was no way they could make headway. And they were afraid. They were about to be destroyed. They were about to die. And the Bible says Jesus was up on the mountain and he was praying and he saw them. Now, it's amazing that he was on this mountain. I believe that he saw them in the spirit. I believe he knew what, and I know he knew what was going on. So Jesus, after praying, he comes down and the disciples see him walking on the water, which is amazing. And the Bible says they thought he was a ghost. And it even added more to their fear because not only were they about to drown, but now they're seeing this phantom out on the water. And so they begin to cry out, and Jesus said, Be not afraid, it is I. Hallelujah. So no matter the storm, no matter how rough it is, and no matter what time of your life or season of your life it is, Jesus it will always come to you walking on the water, walking on those areas where you need him to walk. How many of you know that? And some of us have gone through some major problems physically in our bodies, where it's like me that went through cancer three times, and how that God walked on the water and he gave me a peace. It's wonderful. It is wonderful when you go through those storms that you're in touch with God and God's in touch, this connection that it is, and God gives you peace beyond understanding. And, uh, and this is what happened to the disciples. Jesus said it is I. Well, Peter, you know, he was always spont spontaneous. He was ready to go right now. He was choleric and, and he was saying, hey, if it's you, Lord, bid me come. 
Now, something I want you to keep in mind as we go through this story, because it's very interesting. I want you to keep in mind, I don't think Peter wanted to walk on the water so he could look at the other uh, 11 disciples and say, I'm the one that walked on the water. I don't think he wanted to walk on the water so the next sermon he, could, he preached that that would be his topic. I walked on the water. Look at me. I walked on the water. I don't think he, I don't think he was necessarily walking on the water to walk on the water. I don't think that was the, the, his purpose necessarily. I think what Jesus, because the Bible says this, he wanted to go where Jesus was. Now, if you wanted to have some experience just to have some experience and feel good, maybe that's one thing. It's something else to want to be close to Jesus. Amen. And so he said, bid me come. Jesus said, come. So at that time, Peter stepped over the side of that boat and started walking on the water. Wow, there's the call. All of us receive a call. Notice what we say here. God asks an ordinary person to engage in an act of extraordinary trust, that of getting out of the boat. Now, God may ask us to get out of the boat. He may, he may say, come. He may say to you and I, for us to get out of our comfort zone. And most of us are there. We don't, we don't like to remove ourselves from that comfort zone. And he said, come. Go witness to somebody maybe you don't necessarily come, feel comfortable in doing. Go visit somebody. Go give when you say, hey, I don't know whether I should give or not. Well, we can know the will of God. I, I've told this story so many times, I hope it's not for some of us redundant. There was a captain of a ship that was late one night in a stormy sea, was about to come into the harbor. And the harbor, and everyone knew this, was very narrow. Well, he stood on outside and he gave orders concerning the entrance into this harbor. Someone was standing there with him. And the ship entered into the harbor without a problem. But as it was going into the harbor, and they knew they had passed the narrow entrance, they asked the captain, how did you know when to go forward? How did you know how to miss all this on the sides? And the captain pointed to the shore and he said, you see those three lights? And this person said, yes. He said, when those three lights become one, I know to go forward. You might say, pastor, I want to know God's will. I want God to lead me. I want God to guide me. Well, let me tell you how he does that. The first light is the word of God. God never speaks anything outside of his word. He never asks us to do anything that his word does not substantiate. First of all is knowing God's word. And the only way you can know God's word is to read it, to meditate upon it, to study it. The Bible says study to show thyself the proof. We need to study the word of God. The second light is the spirit of God. How God is going to lead me. How the spirit of God speaks to me. And we need to walk close enough to God that God can speak to us and let us know, is this something you're about to make a big decision? And you don't know which way to go. You don't, you don't know, should I 
uh, do this. Maybe it's a financial decision. Maybe uh, it's, it's, it's a job, a decision concerning your job. Whatever that decision. Maybe, you need, maybe you're going to get married and you want to know is she or he the right one or just a lot, maybe an investment. Whatever the decision is, we want to know God's will. So first of all, read his word. Second of all, be led by the spirit of God. You might say, well, I'm, I'm not, it's, this is not about spiritual things. How many of you know God's concerned about every area of our life? If it concerns you, it concerns him. And he'll speak to you and he'll tell you. Now, he won't speak with an audible voice necessarily. He, he just prompts you. He, he speaks to your heart. So the second light is the spirit of God. How God speaks to your conscience. How do you, not being led by some carnal spirit and some carnal way, not doing it because of the flesh, but I really and truly want to be led by the spirit. So it's the word of God, the spirit of God, and the third light is circumstances. God's not going to call you to, to, to quit your job and go traveling, singing across the country if you can't sing. And I've heard people that couldn't sing, and they, they, they should have been doing something else. Now, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think we can sing and not carry a tune and sing and make harmony to God. I'm not saying that. But I believe the circumstances come into play. If you're married and, and got five children and God and you say, well, God wants me to do so-and-so and, and I won't be around my wife and help raise my children and, and, and all of those things. And, uh, well, maybe, just maybe, the circumstances don't fit what you think God is leading you to do. The circumstances. God wants us to understand, not, not being led by the flesh, not letting the carnality dictate to our hearts, but, but letting circumstances that are approved of God come into play when it comes to making decisions before God. God's, God's holy word, God's holy spirit, and the circumstances that we may have or may not on our own gotten ourselves into. And so God is, God is calling us Today, he called Peter. God calls each of us out, as I said earlier, out of our comfort zones. You remember the story? And I wouldn't have had time to read all of this. I don't. I love these Old Testament stories. I love the story of the judge Gideon. The Midianites were the enemy of Israel, and, and, and they were so afraid. Israel, the people of Israel, were so afraid. And the Bible says that Gideon was threshing in an isolated inside inside did you know back then they winnowed wheat by throwing it up and the trash would blow away and the wheat would fall to the ground I mean that's that's the way they divided from uh, the, 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 the seed the good seed from the bad and he wasn't doing that he was inside threshing he was inside separating the good from the bad. Why? Because he was afraid. He was afraid of the, Gideon, of the Midianites. And so he was so afraid. And all of a sudden, God speak, spoke to him and said, Oh, thou man of God. And he looks around and said, I'm just ab living. Who are you talking to? Oh, thou mighty man of valor. Oh, who are you talking to? God, are you talking to me? 
I've called you. I'm calling you. He said, Lord, he said, I want, God said, I want you to go deliver to Israel out of the, Midian, the hands of the Midianites. He said, I can't do that. He said, my tribe is the smallest of the tribes of Israel. And, and he said, I don't have the ability to do it. And, and God says, I'm going to be with you. You know, it doesn't matter how inapt or you think you are or unapt how you think you are. If you allow Jesus Christ, he will cause you to be victorious. Amen? Amen? I hope you're getting this because it's very important. And God called Gideon and God said, I will be with you. The promise of God, he was with him. And if you know this great story, and by the way, uh, let's see, you can find it in Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6, 11 through 16, how the, just a great call upon this judge to be of Israel. And then, of course, Moses, and most of us remember Moses and how that he led the children of Israel out of bondage and God appeared to him on the backside of the desert in a burning bush and called him to go do some things. Somebody says, I'm out of Gideon and I'm out of Moses. Most people that were called by God did not think they could do what God was calling them to do. And maybe God's calling some young person today to do something very extraordinary through him by the spirit and power of God. God spoke to Moses and said, I want you to go lead the children of Israel out of the hands of Pharaoh, out of Egypt. Moses said, I can't do that. I can't even talk good. I stuttered, 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 stuttered. God said, I'll give you, a, I'll give you a, a mouthpiece. And God did. And most of us know how that Aaron just was able to, to be his mouthpiece. And, and Moses did lead the children of Israel out of bondage. God is calling us today and he is saying to us see I, I i think that god of course he knows what's going to happen anyway tomorrow and whenever and so when god calls us and we sense the inability and god says you can do this you remember you remember what peter's name was before he was called peter anybody remember it simon Simon means fickle, weak. Simon was fickle and weak. And as Simon, he was always putting his foot. He had, he had mouth and foot disease. He always put in his foot in his mouth. He always doing things that embarrassed. You know, Jesus was saying, I got to die and I'm going to go to the cross. And he goes over and puts, Peter does, and puts his arm around Jesus. Now, can you think of this? Put his arm around Jesus and come over here and talk to you. You can't say that. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. I just love that story. It's a great story. And, and before Peter ever became the great disciple that he was, Jesus said, thou art Simon, but you shall be Peter, which means what? Rock. You're going from fickle. And Jesus said it before he ever got there. Jesus knew he could do it. He knew what he was going to do. And he knows you and what you can do. And he's going to give you strength to do it. Doesn't matter. So, first of all, uh, let me say this. Multitudes of people never fulfilled the call of God 
on their lives simply because every time they try to go forward, the devil uses something to push them back. What is it? Fear. Fear. Look at what we have here. There is the fear. God often asks people to do things that are scary to them, whether it's Moses, the children of Israel. You remember the story when uh, uh, they were about to go into the promised land? Here is all these millions of people that Moses has led all these years through the wilderness and going here and going there. And now they're about to go into the promised land. And so Moses sends uh, 10 spies. What was it, 12? You better help me out. I don't know. It was a good number, whatever it was. Uh, but the 10 spies went to, to uh, I think it was 10, went into the promised land. He said, I want you to go in and spy out the land. Great story. And he says, come back and give us word. And so they came back. Two of them had a good report. The rest of them had a bad report. So they said, listen, let me tell you what, these negative people, and you always have them around you. You can't do that. You can't do that. You know what? You're an app. You can't do that. That's the devil. And the enemy, listen to this. The enemy is always trying to put fear in your heart about something that God is calling you to do. There's a call to every one of us. You might say that's just to the preacher, the deacons, the board, or the spiritual leaders in the church. It's for all of us. He gave us everyone a talent. It might be 10, it might be 5, it might be 1. But he's given you a talent. Don't bury it. Amen? These spies, 10 spies, 12 went in, 10 said, Hey, listen, we can't do it. Guess what? We saw giants in that land. We can't do it. They came back with a negative report. And if you listen to the flesh, if you listen to people, You'll never be what God wants you to be. Get away from it. Stop listening to it. Listen, associate with positive people, not negative people. But Caleb and Joshua said, hey, time out. Wait a minute. We can do it. Let me tell you something. You can do it. You say, what? do what? Whatever God asks you to do. Whatever Whatever he calls you to do, you can do it. But the devil is always trying to put fear in our lives. We need to master fear. Now, now I'm going to go through this quickly. Follow me real quickly. But I will not be able to cover it good. Please take this. Listen. You want to enjoy something this week? Cut off your favorite television program. Don't watch the Panthers this afternoon. I will, but don't you watch the Panthers this afternoon. <laughs> But take time this week to study this. Overcoming fear, we overcome fear through faith. And here, here's some of the best scriptures that I just love this scripture. Psalms chapter 27, begin with verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked came against me to eat 
up my flesh, my enemies, my foes. They, they, not me, they stumbled and fell. Though an army may encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. And that's not just talking about fleshly army. That army, that's not what it's talking about. When the enemy, when Satan, when, when, when doubts and, and unbelief try to barge in and overcome me, all of these things, I've made up my mind. I have my hand in the hand of the man that created all things, and I'm not going to fear. Be intentional in your service to God. Make up your mind. I'm going to serve God. I'm not going to be afraid. I will not fear. Though war may rise against me, in this I will be confident. And God knows the church needs a confidence today. Amen. In this I will be confident. One thing I have desired of the Lord, and that I'm going to see, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold Somebody stop me. To be, I love this part. To behold the beauty of the Lord and inquire in his temple. That's not just talking about going to church, although I do, I do believe it includes going to church. There's no way you and I are going to be able to master fear unless we stay before God and love him and worship him and have an ongoing wholesome relationship with him. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret place of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. He shall set me on high upon a rock, and now my head shall be lifted up, hallelujah, above my enemies all around me. Therefore, I will offer sacrifices of joy in his tabernacle. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Somebody praise God. Isn't that a great scripture? Isn't that a powerful scripture? You can put your hat on and walk under a door. You can be so low. But when you read that, you can stand tall. God tells us not to be afraid. 1 Peter 3, 14 and 15. But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be, be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. 56, whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Somebody said, well, you should never fear. I fear sometimes. But I replace it with trust in God. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his words. In God, I have put my trust. I will, that's a period. I will tr- not fear. What can flesh do to me? What can flesh do to me? You see, Brother Don, you just don't want people to. My wife's dad, which pastored this church uh, 50-some years ago, he was up at the hospital. And this woman got so mad at him. Now, you got to understand, this is a big man, and, and uh, he wasn't afraid. He just wasn't. He, he had the power of God was in his life. But he was up at the hospital. Visited. And this woman got so mad at him, she slapped him. Now, what would you do if somebody slapped you? You know what he did? Not one thing. What can flesh do to me? What's that little slap going to do to me? It's not going to get in my spirit. 
I'm not going to allow it to get there. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me? We worry about this, worry about that. We watch television and see the news and get depressed. If you watch an hour of news, you're going to be depressed. Doesn't matter if you're liberal or conservative. You're going one way or the other, they're going to get to you. What can man do to me? I'm not talking about hide our head in a hole and not know what's going on, but we shouldn't allow these things to encumber us. Mary and Martha, you remember Martha? She was encumbered. We get it so encumbered. She was doing a good thing. She was serving Jesus Christ's food. But Mary sat at his feet. That's what we need to do. That's the strength. That's where the power comes. Look at Isaiah 12 and 2. I love this verse. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For yea, the Lord is my strength and song. He also has become my salvation. Wow. So we're to not fear. How are we, how are we going to overcome? First of all, through faith. Second of all, enthrone Jesus Christ in our life. Third, put your trust in God. Four, take courage in the fact that God is on your side. I believe, I, I believe that's... Uh, here it is. The Lord is on my side. One eighteen six. I will not fear what can man do to me. And then prayer 34 and 4. I love this verse. I sought the Lord. I sought him. I just didn't get out and say, now lay me down to sleep prayer. I sought him. How long has it been since we've really, really, really sought the Lord? Time. Spent time. Before God. But the psalmist said, I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from almost all my fears. Did I misread it? I believe I did, didn't I? Let's go back and look at it again. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from, say it, all my fears. That's the kind of God I serve. That's the kind of God you serve today. And then cultivate your love. Cultivate your love. Look at what 1 John 4 and 18 says. There is no fear in what? In love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love casts. Perfect love casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. Last night was a wonderful evening, a time of worship. It was, it was, it, it just kept crescendoing and getting bigger and more powerful. And by the time they finished singing, you just felt like, wow, God is surely in this place. I really, really, really appreciate uh, Matt Fisher. And I appreciate the, the people that worked hard. You know, they were down here a good part of the day yesterday. Practicing, praying, planning, preparing, getting ready. Let me tell you something. It means something when you start praising God. It means something. Let me ask you something. How long has it been since you've heard a song? Maybe it's an old hymn. 
Maybe it's a current song. Maybe, maybe it's a chorus or a contemporary song. How long has it been since you've just stood with, with face toward heaven, hands toward heaven, and allow the Holy Spirit to touch you in such a measure until you begin to weep? There's nothing like it. I'm here to tell you, say, I haven't done that in a long time. Do it. Do it. There have been certain songs that have lifted me higher. You know the song Rise Again by Dallas Holmes? The first time I ever heard that song, I was on Main Street. Brother Morris, I was sitting behind the church in my car. And I was getting ready to go in. And all of a sudden that song came on. And I sat there and and just wept. That song became alive in me. I never forget being at a camp meeting in, in, in Fedville. While there the place was full. And somebody said, get Don to sing. Not this Don, it was another Don. It was Don Whaley. Don Whaley was blind. But he could play the piano and sing. I don't know who could, anyone could play the piano any better than he could. Get Don Whaley to sing. I didn't know Don Whaley. Never heard of him, never seen him. But someone stood up and took him by the arm. And he came and sat down at the piano. And he always did this. He always, to see where the microphone was. And he pulled that microphone close to his face. And he began to play that piano. And he said something like this. I saw a blind man tapping alone, losing his way. As he pressed through the throne, tears fill my eyes. I said, friend, you can't see. Then he replied to me, I'll see all my friends on Hallelujah Square. What a wonderful time we're we're all have up there. Now here he sits, he's blind. I'll sing and praise Jesus, his glory to share. Then if you, if you haven't if you haven't if you haven't closed the doors, turn off the television. Turn off the radio, turned off your phone. And in the very wonderful atmosphere of the Lord, begin to sing or listen to a song. And then just lay, raise your hands and let the presence and the glory of the Lord fill your life. It's like, it's like driving up to the filling station. When you're on empty and sputtering. 
and filling up with gas. Let me tell you something. God knows how to do it, folks. God's got a call for us. You may be experiencing fear. The song that they sung last night says it this way. You split the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears are drowned in perfect love. My fears are drowned in perfect love. You want to get rid of your fears? Allow the Lord, the Holy Spirit, to give you that love beyond yourself, that agape love. Allow God's Holy Spirit to give you that. He's here to do it. Can you say amen? I'm about to close. Cultivate your love. Cultivate your love. There is assurance. There is a decision. There is a changed life. If you want to be victorious, understand those things. There's the assurance of God. God told Joshua, you go and I'll be with you. That's the assurance of his presence. That's the promises of God. There is a decision. Every one of us make decisions. You know how many decisions we make every day? I read that. Let me see what it was. Did you you know that we make 2,500 decisions a day? I'm tired just reading that. Decisions are usually made in a vacuum, or not rather, usually made in a vacuum. They are created by the influences that are around us. I, I, I see so many people. Now, you're going to make a decision today. Some folks have already made it this morning. You're going to make a decision today. Am I going to hear the call and heed the call of God? But decisions are made in a vacuum. I see people make so many wrong decisions and pay for it the rest of their life. It's important to know their consequences to decisions. Decisions are not usually made in a vacuum. They are created by the influences that are around us. Our culture, our training, our beliefs, our family, our friends. Let me ask you something. What? is what do you base your decision on today? What is the basis of your decision? Is it on friends, the culture, or is it, in, is it on God's word? So there is the assurance, there is the decision, and there is the changed life. Our, Brother Matt, as you folks come, our, listen to me, vision statement is what? Thank you reason that Brother Danny was so quick to say that because he is one of the ones that helped us come up with it many, many, many years ago. Transforming lives through Christ. There's a verse, and this is the last verse I'll read. I think Brother Mark has it in the Amplified. Here it goes. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs. Great verse. But be transformed and progressively changed. I was told as a young man, I went to a certain denomination, that you got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe in that. I do believe that. But I thought sanctification was an instantaneous work of grace. It may be. 
But let me tell you what sanctification is. It's more a progressive work of grace than it is an instantaneous work of grace. If you don't believe that, you live long enough and you'll find it out. It's, an, it's a progressive work of grace. Change as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind. Let me read it again. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourself what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. You ought to take that, type it off, Put it on a Priva 5 card or whatever you want to do with it. Put a magnet on it and put it on your refrigerator. That's a great verse. God wants to transform our lives. A lot of people aren't, listen to me, a lot of people aren't being transformed because they're trying to be transformed some other way. Most of us know, John Maxwell says, people change three ways. The only way people change is three ways. Number one, they hurt bad enough. They have to change. Number two, they learn enough that they want to change. And number three, they receive enough that they're able to change. God may be challenging you today to change. And allow God to do something for you today as we bow our heads and as we pray. Father, how good it is for us to hear the word of God. May we not in any way lose sight of your word. May we not take for granted the third person of Godhead, the Holy Spirit. God, teach us, show us, help us today. Reveal your word to us. Move upon us with your spirit and help us, dear God, to say yes to your call. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Sing with us as we sing.